The Edge is copyright 2006 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. And be sure to check out The Mayday Murders, another free podcast currently available by Scott Wittenberg. Sunday, Chapter 14, Part 1 Ellen opened her eyes. The sun was shining brightly through her bedroom window, bathing the entire interior of the small but elegant room in warm yellow white. Instinctively, she squinted her eyes as she turned onto her side and peered at the bedside clock. It was 10.30. The first thought to come to her mind was Uncle Stephen and the sudden, unexpected urge to call him. How long had it been since she had last talked to him, she wondered. Too long, that was for sure. She would call him after breakfast, she decided. She threw her legs over the side of the bed and stood up, pleasantly surprised to discover that she didn't have her usual hangover this morning. She didn't feel the least bit groggy, nor did she have even the slightest trace of a headache. To the contrary, she felt simply wonderful and for the first time in months actually felt totally rested and sharp as a tack. Shaking her head slowly in absolute amazement of this revelation, she strode briskly over to the bathroom. As she washed her face, Ellen looked up at a reflection in the mirror and was astounded at just how well she looked. The little telltale wrinkles that had been starting to appear around her eyes seemed to have all but disappeared, as was the usual discoloration from lack of sleep. Considering the fact that she had just awoken and didn't yet have her makeup on, she didn't look half bad. As a matter of fact, she looked downright stunning. A smile came to her face as she dried herself off and reached for the toothbrush. This was certainly going to be a beautiful day. She returned to her bedroom and found her terry cloth robe lying in its usual place on the arm of the little vanity chair. After slipping it on, she stepped into her fuzzy house slippers and headed for the living room. The moment she entered the living room, Ellen gasped in shock. She frowned at the sight of her photographs scattered all over the floor, and she could smell the rank odor of gin that was spilled in spots all over her beautiful white carpet. With a heavy sigh, she carefully picked up the photographs and placed them into the box, then tidied up the coffee table, which was littered with cigarette butts and pools of spilled gin. She walked over to the stereo where her record albums were scattered about in total disarray, many of them out of their jackets, and piled into a big heap on top of the stereo. Carefully, she slipped them back into their proper sleeves and returned them to the record rack. Just as she was about to go into the kitchen, she spotted the neck of an empty gin bottle sticking out from under the sofa. She went over and picked it up and carried it with her to the kitchen. As she began preparing breakfast, Ellen thought about the night before and was shocked to discover that she could recall very little about it. She had drank way too much liquor. That much was apparent from the state of her living room was in. But beyond that, her mind was more or less a complete blank. Why in the world was her living room in such a godforsaken mess, she wondered. What in the world had she done last night to be capable of wreaking so much havoc anyway? She didn't have the slightest clue, but she was certain of one thing. She simply had to quit drinking so much. Feeling more than a little disappointment in herself, she decided to give up trying to recall any of the night before. Today was a brand new day, and that was all that mattered, she decided. Having eaten her breakfast and washed the dishes, Ellen sat at the kitchen table and sipped her coffee, feeling refreshed after her meal. She reached for the phone and dialed Uncle Stephen's number. He answered on the third rank. Hello, Uncle Stephen? It's me, Ellen. Hello, honey. This is sure a pleasant surprise. How have you been? Just fine, she replied. 
How about yourself? Very well, thank you. Is anything the matter? Everything's fine. Honest. I just wanted to call you to see how you've been, that's all. I know you've called me several times and left messages on my machine, but I haven't called you back. I'm really sorry and hope you can forgive me. Oh, that's quite all right, dear. I know how busy you are with your work. I'm never too busy for you, and I should be whipped for taking so long to call you back. I really do feel guilty about it. Now don't you worry your pretty little head about it. All is forgiven and forgotten. So tell me, how are things at the studio? Very busy and very hectic, Ellen replied with a hint of distaste. I have been doing a really big layout for Cosmopolitan, and it's finally all but wrapped up. I really think I'm going to take a break after it's finished. I'd say you certainly deserve a break, Stephen agreed. How long has it been since you've taken a vacation? Too long, Ellen replied. This time I think I'll actually do it for a change instead of just talking about it. Good for you. After a pause, he added, I'm afraid to ask you this, but how is your pet project coming along? Pretty well, thank you. I'm thinking of covering the boroughs to get a different perspective for a change. The Manhattan shots have been okay for the most part, but I think I need to let that rest for a while. Anyway, enough about me. What have you been up to? Well, the firm has occupied the biggest part of my time since the economy has been so topsy-turvy lately. The rest of my time has been filled up doing things with Mary. We've been going to quite a few musicals and even some ballet performances, which Mary is absolutely crazy about. I'm actually becoming quite a ballet buff myself, believe it or not. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that you're actually dating one and only one woman? What has happened to your usual harem? Stephen laughed. Yes, guilty as charged. You may not believe this, but I think I finally found someone I'm content with. Mary is an adorable young lady whom I'm certain you'd like. You must meet her some day soon. I bragged all about you, and she's dying to meet my famous niece. Oh, Uncle Stephen, I'm so happy for you. When's the wedding? Ellen asked excitedly. Whoa! Now, with just a minute, I haven't said anything about marrying this woman. Whatever put that notion in your head? Of course, I must honestly admit that I haven't completely ruled marriage out. After all, I am getting on the years, so perhaps I had better get someone who can put up with me before it's too late, he added with a chuckle. Call me naive, but I can tell by the way you're talking that you're in love with this girl and that you're going to marry her. You just can't fool me, Uncle Stephen, because I know you. Her uncle sighed over the phone. Okay, I give up. It looks like you're on to me. But first I must have your approval before I make the big leap. Who knows? You might not think she's right for me. Oh, she'll be just perfect. I can't wait to meet this lucky gal. Speaking of lucky people, whatever happened to that young man you were seeing a few months ago? David, wasn't it? Ellen hesitated for a moment, then answered, Oh, it just didn't quite work out between us. I just found out yesterday that he's going to marry a professional singer. He's even going to quit his job and manager. Her uncle sounded a little disappointed. And what was your reaction to that? I'm happy for him, actually. I will say that I was a little surprised at first. You know, David was always so stuffy and all. It seemed completely out of character for him to quit his job and suddenly become so ambitious. But now that I think about it, I think he's making the right move. Crazier things have happened before, I'm sure. I hope you didn't love him, her uncle said with a note of concern. No, I didn't. Nor did he love me. It was just a silly fling, and now it's water under the bridge. Well, I'm glad he didn't hurt you. I must say in all frankness that I was happy to see you dating someone for a change, and I've been very concerned about you. 
I know how much you hate for me to lecture you, but I've always felt that you've been a little too wrapped up with your career. But it's your life, honey, and as long as you're happy, that's all that really matters. But still, I do worry about you, and I hope you aren't angry at me for telling you my honest opinion. It's okay, Uncle Stephen. Actually, you've hit the nail on the head. I don't know why, but it has suddenly dawned on me that I have been spending too much time with my work and not enough time living some kind of life beyond it. Ellen declared, amazed at her own words. Suddenly, an idea came to her. Say, why don't you bring your girlfriend over next weekend, Uncle Stephen? I've just gotten the sudden urge to have a party, and you are officially invited. She exclaimed. Why, that sounds wonderful! Invitation accepted, Uncle Stephen replied with delight. Great! I wish I could tell you what time it's going to start, but first I'd better find some other guests before I commit myself too much. Tell you what. I'll call you back as soon as I've gotten all the details squared away. Okay? Just take your time, then let me know. I think it's a terrific idea, and I'm sure you won't have any trouble finding guests. You know how much New Yorkers love a party. I hope you're right. This may sound strange, but I'm not even sure who I'm going to call. I haven't been out with my friends in so long that they've probably forgotten who I am. Everything will be fine, honey. Don't worry. Friends are forever and never forget. You'll see. Stephen assured her. I hope you're right. Anyway, I'll call you back when I get it all together. Fine, and be sure to let me know if you need any help. Okay, I will. Talk to you later, Uncle Stephen. I'll be waiting. Oh, Ellen, he paused a moment, then said, "I'm so glad you called me. Had this little chat. You certainly brightened up my day." Me too, Ellen replied. We really should talk more often, shouldn't we? Yes, we should. There was another pause before Ellen said, "I love you, Uncle Stephen." I love you too, honey. Bye. As she hung up the telephone, Ellen was bubbling with excitement. A party! She hadn't given a party since her sixteenth birthday. The whole thing was so perfect that she couldn't wait to get started with the preparations. It would be so nice to see her old friends again and meet Uncle Stephen's new girlfriend. She suddenly felt a surge of happiness for him and thankfulness for having an uncle who was so loving and understanding. I've kept out of touch much too long, she thought. The guest list. I must make a guest list. Now, where is my address book? Ellen found her address book and began thumbing through it, jotting down various names and telephone numbers on a notepad. When she had a list of over twenty names, she looked up at the clock and decided she'd best start calling before it got much later. It was Sunday, and she knew that many of her potential guests would be heading for the park on such a lovely sunny day. The first person she called was her assistant, Ted. After inviting him and his girlfriend to the party, she told him to take the day off tomorrow because she felt that both of them could stand a little break from the Cosmo campaign. She had set the day of the party for next Saturday at nine o'clock, and Ted assured her that he and Jill would definitely make it. The next person she called was, of all people, David. Their conversation was perfectly amicable, and although he had been obviously astounded at Ellen's sudden shift in attitude, he graciously accepted her invitation and assured her that he and his fiancée would be there promptly at nine o'clock. He then thanked Ellen for her consideration, adding they couldn't wait for her to meet his future wife. Next, Ellen called Peter Johns, the photographer who had gotten her career started when he had taken her on as an assistant. After chatting a while about the business. He told Ellen that he and his wife would be delighted to attend her party. She then called Anne, her old college buddy. Anne was Ellen's closest friend since her high school days, and the mere sound of Anne's jovial voice and good-natured manner left Ellen with a sense of joy. 
She almost cried from laughing so hard when the two reminisced about old times at NYU. When Anne asked her why she had been out of touch with her for so long, Ellen replied that she had gotten married to her career, and that they were now considering a temporary separation. Anne then offered to come early to help Ellen prepare for the party, which she happily accepted. As she hung up the phone, Ellen was grateful that her old friend hadn't forsaken her after all this time. She spent the remainder of the morning calling old friends and acquaintances until she finally had a confirmed list of a dozen people plus their dates, which was about the limit her apartment could accommodate comfortably. When she finished, Ellen realized that she didn't have a date for herself, but that didn't bother her in the least. She would have a good enough time just entertaining her guests. Taking a fresh cup of coffee with her, she went into the living room and sat down on the sofa to collect her thoughts. She was amazed at herself for the sudden impulse to throw a party, and she began wondering what in the world had prompted her to do it in the first place. Was it something in her subconscious that had compelled her, or had it been just an impulsive whim? She didn't know which it was. She did, however, know that it was a wonderful idea, and she wondered why she had never thought of it before. Something suddenly occurred to her. Before today, she would never have dreamed of throwing a party, because she had all but alienated herself from everyone, and in fact, everything in the real world, except her work. So what was so special about today? Why did she suddenly feel the urge, no, the need, to start socializing? And why had her outlook on life seemingly done a 180-degree turn all of a sudden? The answer to this, she didn't know. And for some reason, it didn't make any difference anyway. The feeling was there, and she was grateful for it. Her work was simply going to have to take a back seat, for a while anyway. She had let it consume her far too long, and it was high time to start living and doing things for a change. Her self-imposed exile was just about to end once and for all. Suddenly, she thought about Francois and what he had told her during their dinner at the restaurant Friday night. She now realized that he had tried to get through to her, and that she had let his words go in one ear and out the other. He had been right, of course, and she marveled at how perceptive he had been in seeing that she was indeed being consumed by her career. In retrospect, she had resented what he had been implying, and had totally ignored his good intentions. She wondered if he would call her, and hoped he did, before the party next weekend. She would invite him, and maybe brighten up the rich old man's lonely life a bit. Ellen caught herself nervously tapping her foot on the floor, and realized that she was teeming with energy. Shaking her head in astonishment at this, she decided she was simply going to have to keep herself busy today, to keep from going absolutely stir-crazy. She had done about all she could with regard to the party for the moment, so she tried to think of what else she could do for the remainder of the day. Eyeing the box of photographs on the coffee table, she decided she might as well sort out the ones she was going to frame. She still had an entire wall in her living room that she intended on using for display of her better prints, and whatever was left would be displayed in her office at the studio. She picked up the heavy box from the table and placed it beside her on the couch. She removed the photographs and began the task of critically examining each one and placing them into one of three stacks on the coffee table. The first stack was for the definite no ways, as she referred to the inferior or poorly composed shots. The second was for the maybes, or possible final choices. The final stack was reserved for the definites, prints that were definitely suitable for framing. The photographs were impressive for the most part, with nearly a quarter of them ending up in the maybe or definite stacks. She noted, however, that the overall theme of the majority of the prints was predictable and rather bland. How many times had Rockefeller Center been photographed, she thought? Millions. 
That, like the other obvious landmarks, such as the Statue of Liberty in the Empire State Building, was one of the first things that any tourist visiting the city would invariably aim his point-and-shoot at. She realized that she had let herself get unimaginative in choosing her subjects, and that she had best start getting back to the original theme from this point on. Things that were there, but virtually unnoticed by the casual passerby. Obscure diamonds in the rough, so to speak. Her photographs were excellent with regard to lighting, contrast, and composition, but for the most part were mundane and predictable. The sorting out of the fifty-plus prints took a little over a half hour. When she finished, she numbered the prints in order of priority, and then filed them in the closet where the remainder of her work was stored. Helen spent the rest of the afternoon thoroughly cleaning up her apartment while still in her terry cloth robe, singing to the radio as she worked. She actually found herself enjoying the little household chores of scrubbing, vacuuming, and dusting. While emptying the bathroom trash, she noticed the empty bottle of Valiums and was puzzled by this discovery, since she couldn't recall ever finishing the bottle off. With a shrug, she decided she would run to the drugstore on Tuesday and get the prescription refilled. Then, after a second thought, she opted to try to do without them for a while. After all, if she indeed succeeded in slowing her work pace down as she intended to, she might not need the little tranquilizers ever again. And besides that, she had never been real crazy about taking drugs in the first place. There was something about the irrevocable effect and potential danger of using them that frightened her. It was nearly six o'clock in the evening when she finally finished cleaning up the apartment. Ellen stood back and admired her work, feeling incredibly pleased at how immaculate and tidy everything looked. Realizing that she was famished as a result of her toils, she began preparing a supper consisting of lasagna, tossed salad, a loaf of fresh Italian bread from Zabar's, and a glass of white wine. After she finished eating and cleaning up the kitchen, she went to the bathroom and prepared her usual bubble bath. As she relaxed in the hot, bubbly water, Ellen was amazed at how elated she felt. It was as if a cloud that had been hanging over her head for most of her adult life had suddenly lifted, allowing the rays of sun to shine through. Her spirits were incredibly high for some unknown reason, and she had a feeling that today was to be some sort of turning point in her life, and it would undoubtedly be a turn for the better. Something really good was going to happen to her. She was almost certain of it but she didn't have the faintest idea what it would be. She only felt that it was going to happen, and it was going to happen soon. The feeling was strong and sure, and ever-present. When she finished bathing, she wrapped a towel around herself and went over to the full-length mirror. She looked at her face and noticed a glow she had never seen before. Her eyes seemed brighter than usual, and they almost had a twinkling quality to them. She couldn't decide if it was just her imagination, but her nose even seemed a bit less prominent than usual. Suddenly she broke out laughing. Her imagination was definitely running away with her now. Nevertheless, she couldn't deny the fact that she seemed to look a lot better now than she ever had before, and that glow wasn't her imagination either. She removed the towel and started drying her hair, then suddenly had the whim to get primmed up for the sheer fun of it. After combing her long brown hair, she blow-dried and meticulously brushed until it looked just right. Then she applied her eye makeup and put on just the slightest bit of her favorite pink lipstick. After splashing on just a bit of the expensive perfume David had given her, Ellen stood back and examined a beautiful face that looked back at her from the mirror. Ravishing, she thought to herself with a seductive smile. 
She went back into the bedroom for a moment, considered putting on one of her silk dresses, but decided that that would be going a little too far. After all, she was going out for a walk, not out on a date. Laughing at herself for the silly notion, she opted for a pair of faded blue jeans and a funky old V-neck sweater. Ellen opened up her camera bag and examined the contents. Inside the film compartment, she found several rolls of black and white film, but not a single roll of color transparency film. She had decided earlier that she would shoot some color tonight, and needed a roll or two of high-speed ectochrome. She went into the kitchen and took a couple of rolls out of the fridge and placed one of them into her camera bag. The remaining roll went into the camera. It was almost nine o'clock when Ellen left her apartment. She stepped out into the crisp twilight air and took a deep breath. After spending the entire day in her apartment, the cold night air was a welcome change. She began walking west on 80th toward 2nd Avenue at a brisk stride.